Morning, everybody. Good. Um, my name is Kenny. Um, I don't know if you've noticed my nose. Um, it's right here. And uh, I've, been, I've been told, I don't know if we're having my or what. Okay. Um, at least growing up, I was told that I had a Lyle's nose. And uh, yeah, let's have that mic. Is that all right? You guys good? Yeah. I'm get, yeah. Thank you so much, Vince. Let's give my lovely assistant, Vince, a hand. All right, we're back. We're good. We're in business. So um, here I am talking about my nose. So I'm the youngest of four siblings, and growing up, I used to get this. I grew up in Arkansas in a, in a small town. It was the biggest town in the county, which was 5,000 people. And um, so <laughs> everybody knows everybody. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I used to get this when I would go to school or different church events. People I'd never know would walk up to me and be like, are you a Lyles? <laughs> You're a Lyles, aren't you? And uh, I, did, I, I mean, when I was young, I was like, I don't have no idea why you're saying that. <laughs> like, I haven't said anything. I haven't done anything. But they could just tell by looking at me, right? Because my older siblings, whether it's the teachers on the first day of school, well, my sisters and my brother had already been to school there, and they had already kind of set a reputation for what a Lyles kid is like, Right? And, and they looked at me, and they could tell, okay, this is a Lyle's kid. We're going to have maybe some kind of idea of what he's going to be like just by looking at me. And uh, now that you're all wondering why I'm talking about that, um, I want to answer that part. Um, I bring that up because today we're talking about, in this whole series, we're talking about our identity who we are in Christ, what it means that Jesus has not only saved us, and in a moment when we, when we come to faith in his grace, he, he justifies us. That's a theological term for it. It's, it's, he makes, it's a legal term for you. You are innocent. Every sin that you've ever committed, when you trust in Jesus for salvation, you're instantly made innocent that you're justified and that you're adopted, that though we were orphans, like that last song that Daryl sang, though we were orphans, though we were lost because of sin, that when we come to Jesus, at the same time, we're justified, we're, we're declared innocent by the only righteous judge, and we're adopted, we're declared family, sons and daughters of God. Anyone with me so far? <laughs> All right, because I'm going to preach. Is anyone excited about that? My goodness. We could stop right there. But not only has God done that in saving us, and if you want to hear more about that family identity, that's what we talked about last Sunday, just what it means to be the family of God, what it means to be made family at the foot of the cross. But not only does our justification and our adoption happen in, in an instant, but God wants more than that for you. 
even more, blessing on top of blessing, that not only does he want to save you and to make you part of his family, he wants you to become more like Jesus. He wants you to, as Romans 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that Jesus is our older brother in this family where God is our father, and he has predestined that if you are in Christ and your faith is in him for salvation, that he is going to conform you, to change you, to make you in a similar nature and character of Jesus. So that someone can look at you and be like, are you God's child? <laughs> are you one of those Jesus people? You, you look like it. <laughs> right? They're not talking about about what you're wearing or what you look like. They're talking about your character that's being shaped and formed and molded into the image of Jesus so that we begin to look like Jesus. And that's not just a... Um, that's not just an idea that that is kind of nice to think about or kind of, uh, oh, yeah, well, that seems kind of cool. Yeah, let's, that's, a, that's a great concept. I know that maybe that'll happen. No, that's a promise. That's one of God's good and precious promises to you as a believer. And if you're here and you're not a believer yet today, when you come to faith in Christ, this is part of what God has promised you. I can tell some of y'all don't believe me, so we need to read the verse, right? So I can trust that uh, I'm not making this up in a second. I'm going to read Romans 8, uh, 28 and 29. Romans 8, 28 29. It says this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Do you hear that? God's promise to you as you come to faith in him is that he is going to shape you into more and more looking like Jesus. Do you believe it? Here's why this is important. Whether you're here today and you grew up in Sunday school and, and you've heard the word disciple a thousand times and you know all about it, right? Or whether you're here today and you've never heard disciple, you don't even know what it is, you don't know why we're talking about it, you don't, not even sure if you believe in Jesus, you're here because you lost a bet with your friend and you had to come here and Listen to some redheaded guy talk about his nose, right? The reason this is important is because all of us are being spiritually formed into someone. It's not like the people who are interested in spiritual formation are over here in this camp doing religion, and then there's everyone else who's not really interested. No, we're all in the process of becoming who we are. Becoming the type of person that behaves in the way we behave. Uh, there's a, 
well-known thinker and philosopher, a Christian named Dallas Willard, who's written several books, but one of them is Renovation of the Heart. And he, and he talks about this idea that spiritual formation is not just something for the people who want it or are looking for it. Everyone is undergoing spiritual formation. We're all being discipled, as it were. The question is not whether or not you're becoming a disciple of something or someone. It's who or what is discipling you. You see, both, and Dallas Willard says that both a saint and a terrorist have undergone spiritual formation that makes them into the type of the person that does the type of things that they do. And so whether you're here and you're a believer and you've been forever or you're not even a believer, you need to know about this because you are being formed. And you're either being formed by something that is, in essence, a lie or a group of things that's a lie that's not going to set you free. You think it's going to give you what you want and what your heart truly longs for, but it's not. And instead of setting you free, it's going to bind you up and you're going to be enslaved to that thing that's discipling you. You might want to call that an alternate fact, right? That's discipling you. We're all being discipled and it's either, either by a lie, like Adam and Eve in the beginning of our story that exchanged the truth for a lie, or you're being discipled by the truth, by the word of God and by who Jesus is and by the fact that God promises to every single one that's his, not only is everything, I'm working everything together for your good, not only that, but I'm using everything in your life to conform you into the image of my son so that more and more you begin to look like Jesus in the way you live. You begin to look like Jesus in the way that you serve other people. Anyone here want to look more like Jesus? Good, I'm in the right place. All right. All right. If I didn't get a bunch of hands there, I was just going <laughs> to. All right. So, if we're here, we want to look like Jesus. What does it mean to look like Jesus? That's why we're talking about what it means to be disciples. That we are all disciples. And that Jesus wants to disciple us. One other aspect before I talk about what it means to be a disciple, because if, if, if that's important, if that's what we're called to do as a church, then we need to know what that is. Do we agree? <laughs> you know, we need to know where the target is if we're going to press towards that. So I want to get there. But I want to say one more thing about this process of God forming us and shaping us and conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And it's this. The, the, the Bible and theology books talk about that term and that process as uh, sanctification. I want to say sanctification. Sanctification. And basically what that means is uh, the process of becoming more holy. Becoming more like Jesus. 
And as I share this today, the example, um, the example that comes to mind is, uh, is of a father and a son. And I know there's a lot of fathers that are here today. And um, mothers too. Fathers and mothers are here today. And I want you to imagine with me for a second. Uh, there's a father and a son. And, and the father knows that the son is going to grow up. He's going to carry on the family name. He's going he's gonna to be kind of a representation of, of his dad on this earth. Right? And, and I know a lot of fathers here today that I know that you would say, no matter what your son does when they grow up, they couldn't do anything that would ever make them not be your son. Any, any of you dads would agree with that? That you would still love them, that you would still care for them, that if they totally made a mess of their life, they would still be your son. They can't change their identity. But here, here's a little glimpse into God's heart as a father. That's not his only hope for his children. His only hope is not just that they would say, yeah, I'm a child or I'm a daughter of God. I'm saved. I have eternal fire insurance. I'm good. Let's coast for the next few decades, right? Let's go to church on Sundays. We're good. That's not the end of God's hopes for you. Just like an earthly dad would say, hey, that's not my only hope for my son. I want him to grow up to be a man of integrity. I want him to grow up to be a man that other people respect. I want him to, be the, to grow up to be the kind of man that lays down his own life to serve the people that he loves and the people that he doesn't even know. I want him to be a person who, who grows up and loves Jesus. That's the hope that a parent would have for their child in the same way this process of sanctification is the hope that God has for you. That you would not be content to say, oh yeah, I've got the same old sins, I've got the same old things, and I'm just going to do this rhythm and go through this life and be saved at the end of it. He wants to save you now. Now. He wants, he's already begun that process of changing you and saving you and unwrapping your life from around the lies that, it's, that are shaping it and being wrapped around his truth. Amen? Amen. That's why at this church we talk so much about the fact that we are disciples and that that's not just something that we do to be disciples, but it's something that we are, that we understand part of our identity is I am a follower of Jesus. I am a one who is increasingly submitting my life, every area of my life. I say increasingly because it's got to always keep moving. <laughs> you don't get to a point like, I, I didn't like just become a made disciple like two years ago. <laughs> like, I got a stamp, I got the production stamp, you know, you can check the batch, like <laughs> see if I get discipled well or not, quality control. Yeah, expiration date. <laughs> It's not a static thing, it's a dynamic thing. It's a, we're continually growing, right? So that's why we say it's part of our identity. That increasingly every area of my life is being submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to his empowering presence in my life. That's what a disciple is. Increasingly, continuing to increase. That means 
the further I walk with Jesus, the more I'm going to worship him, not less. The further I walk with Jesus, the more I'm going to know his word and it's going to affect my decisions, not less. Every area of my life has to bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That if there's sin in my life that I can't get rid of on my own, I've got to give it up to Jesus and say, I trust that you are transforming me into the image of your son. Amen? Amen. I want to share a passage from Matthew chapter 28. Very common, um, well-known passage. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. We're getting there. Y'all are already there, right? It's up behind me. I'm slow. All right. Let's read this together. This is, uh, this is what's called the Great Commission. And uh, Jesus has resurrected. He has risen from the dead. And he's meeting with some of his disciples. And this is right before he ascends into heaven out of their sight. And this is the last word that he speaks to them. Has anyone ever heard someone's last words? Someone in your family? Something like that where they spoke a blessing over you or whatever it may be. If you can imagine with me, someone speaking their last words to you and then disappearing. (laughs) This is Jesus, what he wanted to leave them with. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Part of following Jesus is is worshiping him. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Another reason that us talking about discipleship being conformed into the image of God's Son is important is because of this. It's God's plan A for changing the world. He didn't give us another plan. This is God's plan A, and there's not a backup. You ever thought about that? You know, there's a lot of talk in our culture and and in kind of our generations about, hey, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. Well, if you follow Jesus, this is what he says. Here's how. Here's how you're going to change the world. It's not by setting up the, the, 
the correct political system, the correct form of government is not going to change the whole world. The best political party is not going to get the job done. The task that we have to change the world is in making disciples. Why is that? Because like Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, you're, not gonna, you're gonna look for the kingdom of God and you can't say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is within you. God has charged us to make disciples because the only thing that's gonna change the world is that there's more and more people who are submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of life, whether they're in politics or arts or commerce or industry or whatever it may be, in education, what God wants to use to change the world is his people who are sent into the world to make disciples of him. Amen? Amen. coffee break. I want to, in just a minute, I want to talk about um, how Jesus made disciples and how that, um, how that we can follow him in that. But before I do that, I, I just, just want to pause for a minute and, uh, and say that this whole, this whole um, talk on disciples and what it means to follow Jesus, that's what we're all about here at this church. I, and as I look back um, through the years that we've been a fellowship, I think of the lives and I see faces in this room and when I, when I look at those faces, I just see the glory of God. And the, and the way that God has changed lives. I'm telling you, there are people here that you wouldn't recognize if it hadn't been for the goodness of God and his promise to say, I'm changing you. This is who you are. I don't care who the world tells you that you are. I don't care what your list of achievements tells you that you are. I don't care what your preferences and what you like to buy or what you like to do with your free time tells you who you are. This is who you are. You belong to me. And I'm going to use everything in your life to rip the sin out of your life because that's going to kill you. And I'm going to bring God's goodness into your life because that's going to set you free. And as a church, if we're going to make an impact in this city where God's called us, this idea of being God's disciples and that being at the forefront of how we understand ourselves as humans on this planet, that's going to be the bedrock. <laughs> it's not going to be on my own strength. It's not going to be on your strength. 
You can't lead your coworkers to Christ by yourself. You can't lead your family to Christ by yourself. It's only by the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ at work through you. A verse in Philippians, we, we have this one. Philippians 2, um, the second part of verse 12 and then verse 13. Actually, I'm going to turn around and read it so you guys don't have to wait for me to flip. Here we go. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Next verse. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in, according, uh, in order to fulfill his good purpose. Can you go back to the last verse? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you guys see that? Work out and work in. What we're responsible for is to make the decision to follow Jesus. And then what God's responsible is to work into us to give us the power to do it. What we're responsible for saying when we hear this today is, God, I want you more than I want my sin that's keeping me from you. And I commit to choose it. I commit to choose you. Because whatever that has me bound is, is not life. And God, I choose you. Now, Holy Spirit, give me strength to follow through. See, we're not earning our salvation. We're not earning. God hasn't given us sanctification so that we can get good enough to earn it. And then at the end say, please, 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 please. I did all that stuff. I prayed extra. Let me be with you, God. No, 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 no. I've saved you. Now work it out in your life. Start to experience salvation on Monday through Saturday. Not just on Sunday when we sing it. Work it out with fear and trembling. God, I need you. God, I, this sin has me bound. I need you. God, I can't. I can't. I'm not strong enough with fear and trembling. But God, I choose you and then what does God do? He works in us, within us, to want to do what's right, both to will and to do His good purpose. Do you see that? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe you're here and, and, and you're thinking, man, that sounds awesome, but Kenny, you don't know me, and I know me, and uh, the, things that, the things that have me bound are too big. Like, that sounds good. I know you're talking about freedom. I know you're talking about life. I'm going to be changed to look more like Jesus. I just, how? I, I don't know. And I think it's understandable if you feel that way because how many know that we fail? 
We fail. I'll be the first to admit it. We fail. When we're trying, even when we're trying to follow Jesus, we fail. We sin. We get tripped up in the same thing a thousand times. But I think our hearts can be encouraged when we know that this promise that God gave us, how much it cost him to make that promise that we would be conformed to the image of his son. You see, from the very beginning of the creation story, God announces this desire, this actually part of our makeup. He says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make man in our image. That we are made in the image of God. And then that makes us inherently, inherently, infinitely valuable, more valuable than any of the things that we could own or, 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 or purchase or any of that. Is, is that tracking? The Christians say every human being has inherent dignity and worth, not because of anything that they contribute to society, but because they exist and they were made in the image of God. That's why we talk about murder being wrong, and that's why we talk about abortion being wrong, because all human beings have this dignity of being made in the image of God. God gave them dignity and value, not us. That's why if I had $20 trillion up here, <laughs> right, and it was in billion-dollar bills, right, it's all around, cash everywhere. But the only thing you had to do to get it was to kill me. <laughs> In God's eyes, you would have taken something that was less valuable if you took all the money. Not just because I'm incredibly good looking, right? <laughs> the Lyle's nose. No. no, but because I'm made in the image of God. Is that tracking? We tracking? Right? But that image has been broken and distorted and marred by sin. That's, that's the Christian worldview, that everything was great, but then we chose to wrap ourselves around a lie with that fruit. We were made in the image of God, but we believe that lie that you will be like God. We were already made like God, but we believed that something we could do to make us more like God. And ever since then, the, the brokenness that, that, that we see and we experience in our world, just, just think of the headlines that you read every week and that you scroll through on your phone. Those headlines are a result of the brokenness of sin and the distorted image of God in our lives. That every one of us is prone to sin and rebel against God. That, that the, the heart of the, the whole big problem is the problem of our hearts. That we that we build our lives and are discipled and formed by things that are outside of God's truth. Is that making sense? Right? But Jesus came on a rescue mission to restore the image of God in our lives. That's why he came. And Jesus, the perfect disciple who was perfectly in line with God, perfectly formed by the word of God, came and he made disciples and told them to go make disciples. But before he had done that, he laid down his life for us, for all the imperfections, for all the ways in which the image of God in our life has been distorted and mangled and torn and broken. 
so that God can make the promise that we know that in all things God works together for the good of them who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we know who he foreknew, he also predestined that they would be conformed to the image of his son. And then later in the chapter it says, for who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can anyone? I gotta turn there because I'm gonna mess it up. Y'all with me? What, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Who can condemn us? If God justifies us, remember that word earlier, justifies? If God justifies us and says you're innocent because of Jesus' innocence, if God justifies us, who can condemn us? And I love the next two words. No one. No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Christ Jesus who died for you to be made into the image of God, to be healed, to be restored. He died for you and he rose again and now he's interceding and praying for you. Whatever you go through. Is anyone encouraged by that? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger as sword or sword? 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, I think that covers it, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If God was willing to pay that price for you, to save you and to make you more like Jesus, do you think he's gonna give up? Do you think the thing that feels like it is holding you bound right now is stronger than his love. It's not. It's not. I had a bunch of other stuff to say. And uh, so we should have an intermission right now. We'll come back for part two of the sermon. And I, I, have, I have a lot of things to say. I, I have a lot of things to, to share about how we grow in our faith, how we become more disciple. And we're, if you're around here at this church, you're going to hear all those things. You're going to get to them. But for now, I, I just feel like I, I feel like I need to stop. 
feel like I need to stop. I feel like I need to get out of the way and, and just make time and space for us to respond to God's word together. So I know that what I brought today might have been a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere. Um, but my hope and what I know is that when we bring God's word to the center and elevate it and say, God, speak to us. Let our lives be shaped by this, not by all the other things that we've been taught or that we say or that we think or that we think is right. But let us be shaped by your word that God is faithful and that the spirit illuminates his words in our lives and calls us to him. So I'm just believing that God is doing that even right now. And uh, I want us to take a few minutes to respond to God's word. So, um, yeah, if the, if the band could come up um, when you guys are ready to lead us in another song. And I just want to pray and give some instructions. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we come before you knowing that um, words fall short of describing how, how beautiful a truth this is, God. That not only would you save us when we were running the other way, God, not only would your, would your grace reach out and initiate the relationship with us, God, but that you would also change us, Lord, from the inside out. You would help us to let go of the lies that the enemy has told us and, and hold on to and grasp onto you, Jesus. Lord, it's only by your power that we're changed. It's not something that we can will or that our own willpower can make happen, Lord. Yeah, we can change some of the outward stuff, but you alone are the one who changes hearts, God. And we all stand in need of hearts being changed. God, there's no one here today, Lord, myself included, no one here today that is, that is 100% discipled, that is totally free of every weight and sin that's besetting them. Lord, but, but that freedom has been purchased, Lord. And we have the option today of deciding to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and believing that you will work in us to, to want to do good and to do good, to do your will. Lord, I thank you for that truth. I thank you that you hold us. I thank you that we are assured, Lord. God, that we're not just floating and drifting through space and that our lives are not meaningless and that when our lives are over, that's not really the end, God. But you are pulling all of history to a glorious ending, Lord, where we enjoy and worship you forever. Oh, God. And now we see through a, through a glass darkly, Lord. But then, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, then we will be changed and be like you because we'll see you how you truly are. Lord, I thank you for that, God. I, I, I pray for this church. I pray for everyone here today, whether they're part of this church or not, that we would begin to understand ourselves and our own identity in light of the fact that you call us disciples, to be disciples who are increasingly submitting every area of life to you, God. 
whether it's our job, our family, our sexuality, whatever it is, God, that we bow down to you in every single area. That we do not hold back parts of our heart or parts of our life and say, you can be my Savior, but not my Lord. But God, you are our Lord. We worship you. I pray for the next few moments that uh, as a church we would respond, God, and that we would um, repent and that we would enjoy uh, your life that you have uh, You've died to secure for us, and you've rose again, God, so that we could live forever with you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.